As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. In an instant, an opportunity could be taken away. If you don't jump in, someone else will and you'll lose out on the opportunities. Like I said before, I don't care if the market is good or is bad. Real estate is always good. You just have to find your niche and hammer that strategy. Best ever listeners, you ready to take your online advertising into the big leagues? Are you ready to get more leads? Well, how about we do all this for free? Yeah, sure, free. Well, it starts out with a free strategy session with Dan Barrett. You recognize his name, episode 565, titled Google AdWords and Cutting Edge Strategies. He's the only certified Google partner agency that works exclusively with real estate investors. That's why I'm talking about him. And he's managed over a million dollars of client spend and scored an 80th percentile for or higher for best practice. Basically, he knows his stuff. And he is offering a free strategy session for one hour to do a deep dive with you and learn about your market and collaboratively come up with an online advertising strategy based on your target audience. And he's offering to do this for the best ever listeners. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Now I mentioned free. Well, the strategy session is free. And then you can either take the online advertising strategy that he comes up with on the call and go implement it yourself. There you go. It's free. Or you can have him and his agency do it for you. It's a turnkey solution. And by the way, that likely wound up being free too, assuming that you're closing on the leads that he's generating for you as a result of all the efforts. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. He's got some amazing stuff. Ask him about the pre-targeting for direct mail lists that he does. It's something unique to their company, and it's pretty exciting stuff. He's noticing some tremendous results as a result of doing pre-targeting. So ask him about that. AdWordsNerds.com forward slash Joe. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluffy stuff with us today. Susan Ilea. How you doing, Susan? I'm great. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for having me. Well, nice to have you on the show and looking forward to digging in. Susan is a full-time real estate investor over the last five years. 
She's completed more than 70 deals utilizing various strategies in a bunch of markets. Her primary strategy is to flip in hypermarkets and create passive income utilizing the profits from those flips. She's currently based in Denver, Colorado. With that being said, Susan, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your focus? For sure. As you said, I've done about 70 deals going on. This is my sixth year in it. My husband and I started this business, jumped all in about six years ago. We do everything from basic cosmetic rehabs of 15000 all the way to brand new builds and scrapes. My experiences also include condo and single family rentals as well as I've done some short-term and vacation rentals. Always looking for another strategy. The focus is to master one strategy, keep that going, keep those systems in place, and then jump to the next and jump to the next and create various, how do I say, Sorry. In- income streams? <laughs> streams of income. Yeah, yeah. income streams. So, the good yeah, stuff. By creating guys. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what are you doing right now as far as the main types of projects that you're working on? Mostly doing fix and flips. I live in Denver. It's a really hot market. I also do fix and flips in California and San Antonio. Just focusing on those three main markets. I've done stuff in other areas, but trying to hone in there. That is the focus, but I think the ultimate goal, like a lot of us real estate investors, is The flips for fun, but ultimately owning rentals and multi-units for that passive income and really building that wealth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that is the key for fix and flippers and wholesalers is to take those profits and then invest them long-term into something. You're doing flips in Denver, which is a hot market. You mentioned California, I suspect. Where in California are you doing flips? Mostly Southern California, outside of L.A., Years ago, you could pick up a property for a couple hundred thousand, paint the cabinets white, and still make 20% on your money. It's changed over the last few years, but the market's still there. Despite the prices increasing, so are the sales side, and the profits are still there. So mostly Inland Empire, Southern California area. I've done everything from Pasadena all the way down to La Quinta in Palm Desert. So big, How- big area. You're based in Denver, but you're doing it out of state in California. How are you finding those deals? Actually, when we started, I was living in the D.C. metro area, and that was when the California market was hot. So we started doing deals out of state, which is rare for most people. And like anything, it's just having a solid team. My realtors there are invested just as much as I am because they know if they find me a good deal, that they're going to sell it a few months later. So they're double dipping on the commissions. They're also overseeing my GCs. It's all about teams, and I'm mostly getting those deals on the MLS. Whereas in Denver, almost all of my deals are pocket deals or directly from the sellers just because of the way the market is here. Mm-hmm. What'd you say about the general contractors? I was just saying that your team is everything. And my realtors in California, for example, are, are overseeing my GCs as well. I mean, they're just as hands-on as I am or my partner is or my GC is because they're just as invested as far as they know that they're going to be able to make money on the front end and the back end. I've got a few sets of eyes, not just my GC, but then I have my realtor sort of GCing the GC to make sure that things are moving smoothly because, again, we all have something to win in that project. Wow, that's fascinating. You have your real estate agent oversee the general contractor. How official is that and what are their specific responsibilities? Well, they just make sure that the project is still moving. We have the GC who's got the teams, but we're out there fairly often. I don't do much traveling. My husband does most of the business traveling. I've actually done a lot more in the last several months or so. But they just make sure that the project is moving on. And what I tend to do, too, is I actually, because of my relationship with my realtor, I actually will send him funds to distribute to the workers because we've had a 
six-year relationship, and I trust the guy, and um, we're also discussing even making him part of my California entity, so he's actually making profits out of the profits as well. So again, another level of commitment on his end because of what he'd be gaining as well. Hmm. And why send the funds to the real estate agent to give to the GC? Why not just do it directly to the GC? Well, in California, my GC in particular is managing that. And he'll say, hey, here's the bid, let's say for the kitchen. And I don't pay anything until the work is done anyway. But a lot of times I'll front the money to him just so that it's available immediately to pay to the guys once it's done. But just like in any state, I don't generally pay anything out, obviously, until it's done. You can get in trouble when a GC asks you for 50% down. I see people do it all the time, give them 50% and wonder why the project's not done a week later or hasn't started. So I want to make sure those funds, and when you hold the money, you hold the control. So, How do you structure your contracts with general contractors, knowing that your beginning, which is incredible, you were in Washington, D.C., but had flip projects in California. How do you structure that with GCs? You know, in the beginning of any business or any location that you're cranking on your business or whatever, you really need to be present. So you're building the teams there. And in the beginning, we were out there for two weeks every four to six weeks. So we were out there very often building those teams. And just like any other business, you have to consistently build those teams. So we've been present a lot. But once you get those teams in place, it's a little easier to manage and kind of run the projects. And I'm sorry, I forgot, kind of went off topic. There. I, don't, I don't think <laughs> no, I it's, it's, answered it, your question. No, you were on point, but just how do you structure it? Like maybe the payouts and what documentation do they need to provide you before you pay them? First of all, we always have a contract between us and the GC. Additionally, yes, you know, they can send pictures, but I always like a second set of eyes and get my realtor to send pictures of completed work as well. I get bids all the time. I also get Invoices. I have my GC actually in San Antonio is probably one of the most organized GCs ever. I mean, he'll send an invoice with what was done and what is pending and what we need payment for for the next week. And it's like clockwork. Every Monday I'll get this invoice and then I will wire what was completed and then either get the invoices for what was already paid for and reimburse that or I'll just pay for items directly. A lot of times I pay for items directly to the suppliers, whether it's the window guy, whether it's Home Depot or Lowe's or the kitchen designer. I generally, a lot of times I'll pay for that directly so that I know the vendors are paid and then the labor is paid to the contractors. You've done 70 or so flips utilizing different strategies in many markets. Whenever I'm reading your bio and it says different strategies in many markets, what's that mean? So I've done 70 deals. You said flips, and I just want to clarify. Those 70 include fix and flips. They include rentals that I picked up. They have include properties that I renovated and refinanced and held. They have include wholesale deals, and I guess that's mostly the strategies. So anything from flips to new builds to buy and hold or buy, renovate, hold, and refi, and even small wholesale deals. I don't wholesale much, but I usually just wholesale to guys that I know that can close if I have a few extra deals. So those are most of the strategies that I do. Are there any types of strategies that you've done before that you wouldn't do again because you got burned or you just don't think it's a good one after doing it? You know, what I love about real estate is that you can either make it a business or a hobby. And whether the market is good or not, 
you can always find a strategy that's good for your market. So despite what CNN or the news is saying about real estate, there's always a strategy. So really, no, there's not a strategy that I've ever done that I felt like wouldn't work. And frankly, if I got burned on something, I'm not going to let that one bad experience deter me from creating a portfolio of wealth and great projects. So no, I really don't have anything where I can think off the top of my head where I didn't like that strategy. You just roll with whatever the market's given you and you implement it based on what makes sense. Exactly. For any business, whether it's you running your podcast or your rentals or other businesses that are unrelated to real estate, you have to constantly adjust to your market, whatever that is. And I'm doing different strategies in different markets because of what it's providing me. And I've done some stuff in Chicago and I know people in Chicago are picking up these cheap properties and just renovating them 30, 40,000 all in less than a hundred thousand, maybe 90,000. And then they're putting in section eight tenants. That's a great strategy for that market. You're buying low and you're renovating it as a rental and then you're putting a renter in. So there's just strategies in every area. Areas like a certain part of Chicago, which have a tremendous amount of foreclosures or areas like Colorado, where inventory is so tight and population keeps growing, people can't even find anywhere to live, whether it's rentals or flips or whatever it is. With the money that you're getting from the flips, where are you investing those dollars for your long-term holds? I'm mostly putting them back into some of the things that I have in Denver. I do love Texas. I'd like to own some multi-units down there. I'd like to own multi-units, period, as long as the numbers are good. So for me, I care about the numbers. I don't care about really anything else. But I've been reinvesting a lot of that cash in my current deals, but I'm starting now to kind of just push them aside and not reinvest them and put them into longer-term holds because I do sometimes put them in flips. Let's talk about the last deal that you took from start to finish. Can you tell us the numbers, the story about the deal, and just give us the details on it? Sure. Actually, I've got two selling at the end of this month. So I picked up a property from an owner directly, and I'm actually buying two more from him. It was a 142K purchase, put about 8 to 20 in, let's just say 20-ish. So we're all in at one, or 18, it makes us all in at 160. And I put it on the market and sold it for, I'm getting these two mixed up, but they're exactly the same. But And, I, and it's under contract for 215. I had two of the exact same deals. For the first one, I had a buyer. I had two offers that went over list. And in Denver, you're getting a lot of multiple offers. People are losing out on deals. Well, they're both actually VA loans, so they're both veterans, which was really cool for me. The second person, they both went over list. second person felt like he missed out, but the cool thing was I was able to say, hey, look, you didn't win out on this one, but I have the same exact property a block away, if that, and then building next door and I'm going to list it for this amount, and he ended up putting under contract actually for 5K less than I was going to list it. So whereas he felt like he was going to miss out, he actually won because he got even a better, the exact same product, but I actually kind of like that one a little better just because I like the flooring and I had a parking space. So basically we're looking at, I guess, as far as an ROI, I sold it for when all is said and done, I'd have to kind of pull up my numbers, but we're still looking at a double-digit ROI, and we're in and out in a matter of months, about six months. On average, my investors are making double-digit annual returns, whether it's on one deal or we do a couple in the year or whatever. But when you annualize it, they're making a double digits easy every time. And that was the next question, and you segued perfectly into it. How are you financing these deals? Most of my deals have been with private cash partners. When I started, I really didn't have much. I put everything in to start this business. So where my credit was amazing, it 
kind of got a little hit, but most of them are cash partners. I've started to use a little bit of unconventional lending because my goal is to stay a little more liquid and leverage the funds that I have. So instead of raising, let's say, $300,000 on a deal, I could bring in a lender at a reasonable rate for hard money and then only have to raise, let's say, 50K or bring in the 50K myself, so I'm making a little more cash. With my equity partners, I tend to give up more of the profits than I would if I brought in a lender when you kind of look at the numbers. But for me, giving up more equity to build a relationship with a credit or cash partner for the long term is totally worth it. I'm not here to do one deal, obviously. This is my livelihood. It's a career that I'm building and want to keep for a long time. So for me to have those partners that I have year after year that want to keep their funds moving deal after deal, it's worth giving up a little extra equity if I have to. What type of terms are you offering or have you offered in the past to partners? A lot of times I just go 50-50 on the deal. So they bring in all the capital and we have the teams, the opportunity, the deal. We do the work. We do everything. They just kind of send a wire, sign some documents, and then I'll go 50-50 on the profits. They get their capital back and then we just go 50-50 on the profits. That's usually if I have one partner who wants an equity partnership on the deal. I have some people that have said to me, Susan, I just want to make 6% annually. I'm like, great. I can absolutely, depending on how much money they have, I can put it to work. So yeah, I have partners who are like, just send me a check quarterly. So I borrow the funds as working capital and I put it into play wherever I need it. And then I pay them out quarterly with their interest payments. The benefit to that for me is that the funds are always turning and I don't have to write a check each month, an interest check. And then I have some partners that are like, hey, Susan, I want to jump on this deal. And I'll just give them, let's say, a flat return on the deal. And generally, my deals are six to eight months. The ones I'm doing now are six months. Then they make their flat return at six months. We secure their funds, like most of these people, to the property. And then at the sale, they get their principal and interest. And if they're happy, they do it all over again, which most of my partners do. And again, on averaging significant returns annually. For someone who's looking to bring in private money into their fix and flip business, but they haven't yet, what advice would you give them? I think one of the biggest fears of new fix and flippers is they feel like they're asking for money. And they have to remember that they have an incredible opportunity where their partner can make a really nice rate of return that is secured and a rate of return better than what they're going to find anywhere else. So a lot of times I talk to these new flippers, like, well, I don't want to ask for money. I'm like, you're not asking for money. You have an incredible deal in your hands. You've got a great opportunity, and you're securing these people's funds to an appreciating asset. And frankly, if something happens and your strategy is to fix and flip it, and for whatever reason you can't sell it, you've created equity in it, and you can actually refinance their cash out of it and pay them out, or you can put a renter in and still make money one way or another. So there's various strategies, but I think that to really go back to your question is a lot of times people feel like they're asking for money when they're not. They're really presenting an opportunity, which is secured, and that's the key there. They're presenting opportunity that most people don't have and can't find and probably can't manage themselves. Once we internalize what you just said and then apply that within our approach, it's going to have a tremendous difference. If we think we're asking for money, then we're not going to be successful. It is about giving investors an opportunity that is, as you said, secured by an appreciating asset in most cases. So yeah, thanks for that. And I found the same thing when I speak to people and they ask, well, what if I'm not good at sales? Well, 
you don't have to be good at sales. You just have to have a good opportunity that you believe in and you want to help others by sharing it with them. For sure. I hear that all the time. I'm not good at sales. You feel like you're asking for money. You're going to look desperate instead of focusing on what a great deal it is. Like you said, if you have a great opportunity, you're going to find funders. Based on your experience as a real estate investor, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? I'd have to say to jump in. Do your due diligence, but jump in. You have to move fast in this business. Um, In an instant, an opportunity could be taken away. If you don't jump in, someone else will, and you'll lose out on the opportunities. Like I said before, I don't care if the market is good or is bad. Real estate is always good. You just have to find your niche and hammer that strategy. There was a quote. I forget who said it, but it was a guest on the show, and he said, every deal is a good deal in 50 years. (laughs) And it's so true. I mean, of course, there's exceptions to every generalization, but just going with that, at most deals are good deals in 50 years. I think he actually said 20 years, which I'd still agree with. If he's saying that you'd have to wait 20 years to benefit from it, or you're going to look back 20 years later and say, damn, I should have kept that. Yeah, the the latter. Yeah, the latter. Okay. (laughs) That's what I figured. Yeah, you don't want to lose money for 20 years and be like, okay, finally, I'm making profit on this. No, it's just holding on to it for as long as you can because in 20 years, it likely will be a good deal. Amazing. And there are definitely deals that I've looked at even a couple of years ago. Oh, I should have kept that. But at the time, what I needed to do was sell it. And it's okay. I'm always going to have another great opportunity. It's not like there's just one a year. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Yes, let's do it. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Got your free strategy session to generate online leads yet? Well, if not, go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Dan Barrett's going to give you a concrete online advertising strategy by the end of the conversation. You can choose to implement it yourself or you can work with this team and they'll implement it for you adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Are you ready to grow and protect your wealth in any market? Join Cashflow Tactics to learn the exact strategies real estate investors can use to maximize returns using whole life insurance as a new banking resource. Visit CashflowTactics.com. That's C-A-S-H-F-L-O-W-T-A-C-T-I-S.com. What's the best ever book you've read? I'm actually currently reading a book called Chase the Lion by my pastor in D.C. when I lived there years ago, Mark Batterson. And it focuses on the fact that if your dream doesn't scare you, it's too small. Something that my husband and I are both reading and kind of going each chapter together. It just kind of pushes you to limits. It's great. Best ever deal you've done? It would have to be the two that I spoke with that I'm going to close both on this month. On one, I received two offers that went over a list price and then the second place guy felt like he lost out, but instead I was able to come to him and tell him about an identical property that I was going to list that next week. So to me, that's a one off the top of my head. I was generally more excited for the second buyer than he probably was, but I loved knowing that I could help him out, help veterans out, and also put a deal under contract in zero days. What is the best ever way you like to give back? I feel like a lot of times we wait until something happens before we can give back. I don't need to wait until my career has hit a certain number or mark to give back. We can give back daily, which is what I do, whether it's helping someone learn this business and make a little extra on the side, or whether it's me tithing to support my friend in the Congo who's taking care of the much less fortunate. I'm grateful I can do something to help. I give back every day by doing what I do, which is why I love this business. I create jobs. I make homes beautiful again. (laughs) They were once beautiful. I make them beautiful again, and I help new owners create beautiful communities. What's a mistake you've made on a deal that comes to mind? 
Well, biggest mistake I was thinking would just be not to start sooner, but I can't really focus on that because I'm here now and I'm making the best of it. But as far as a mistake, there's always hurdles in this business. You just have to adjust to them. I guess for me, maybe just this one deal, I took the owner's report for the sewer instead of doing my own sewer scope, and then I had to kind of change it. After the whole project was done, the new buyers did a sewer scope, and there was a crack, and then I had to spend another 10000 to fix it and change it. Maybe that one. I mean, there were still profits in the deal, and yeah, that's 10000 less out of my pockets my investors made every dime that they were promised, but maybe just not getting that sewer scope done sooner. What's the best place the best ever listeners can get in touch with you? You could call me directly. I kind of prefer the phone over email and text sometimes. And I like meeting people in person. I think that this really is a people business. So the best way they could contact me is either my phone number. Do you want me to share it? Okay, it's two, this is my direct line. It is a Jersey line. Don't judge me. Just joking. I am in Denver, but haven't been in Jersey in 10 years. Hopefully I'll get a business line. What's wrong with uh, the Jersey number. line? <laughs> Nothing. I just every time I call someone, they're like, I wasn't going to answer because it said New Jersey. I was oh. like, well, it's my cell. And I do have a business line, but it comes to my cell anyway. And I just kind of work out from this one. But my number is 201, and I can't ever get rid of that 201. And 201 424 Again, 201 424 Or they can shoot me an email at Susan at GreenStarRising.com. Green, G-R-E-E-N-S-T-A-R-R-I-S-I-N-G.com. Did not realize how long it would be when we first created that entity years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, Susan, thanks for being on the show. Enjoyed our conversation, hearing how you're structuring deals with investors, the advice you have for fix and flippers who are wanting to take on private money but are concerned about asking for money. Well, it's not about asking for money. It's about presenting an opportunity that is secured by an asset and having that mind shift. So thanks so much for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon. Excellent. Thank you so much. Are you ready to grow and protect your wealth in any market? Join Cashflow Tactics to learn the exact strategies real estate investors can use to maximize returns using whole life insurance as a new banking resource. Visit CashflowTactics.com. That's C-A-S-H-F-L-O-W-T-A-C-T-I-S.com.